Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Happy Monday, y'all. This week, we're going to talk about my five absolutes for OR anesthesiology. Now, I know that many of us are told that there are no absolutes in life, but here I present to you some pretty solid absolutes that have helped me tremendously in my care of patients perioperatively. Yeah, so for those of you, particularly who are starting a rotation in anesthesiology, listen up. My number one, always carry a stick of epinephrine at the appropriate dilution for your patient. So if you have an adult patient, that would be 100 mics per mil. If it's pediatric, 10 mics per mil. You never know when you will use it. It would be intuitive to have it drawn up for a patient that you know is really sick, uh, ASA 4, ASA 3. But honestly, those it's those healthy patients or so-called healthy patients that can really uh, get you. So for example, I remember during training, there was a farmer who presented for an abdominal case. And as you can imagine, I mean, his functional capacity over four mets, he's toting hay, you know, lifting sheep, shearing sheep, all the things. When we got back to the uh, OR and it was an open abdominal procedure. As soon as the surgeon pulled on his omentum, he had such a dramatic vagal tone that he went into cardiac arrest immediately. And so thank God I had that epi already. And at that point it was the surgical team initiated chest compressions, epi was given and his heart came back immediately. Now imagine if I said, "Oh, oh crap! Uh, let me let me go go draw it up, you know, or let me go find a stick." It's like you don't have time for that. When you need it, you need it right now. This is something that can save someone's life, and it doesn't matter what case you're doing. Always have it easily accessible and available because we know time is brain cells. We know time is you know heart muscle. And we just, we should always be the ones ready to go. So always carry a stick of epinephrine at the appropriate dilutions for your patient. Always. You'll never regret doing that. Number two, always, always check the lines and the airways you did not personally insert. So if the patient is in the ICU and they have all these lines, you're checking them. You're reviewing the imaging to make sure that these lines are going where you want them to go 
or where that breathing tube is sitting right where you want. You're listening to the lungs. You are bolusing a little bit of saline in the IV to make sure you don't feel any resistance or pressure. Because once you leave that ICU or once you leave that preoperative area and you're in the operating room, those lines are yours. And anything that happens to them is your responsibility. So it's best to get a great assessment of what it is that you're assuming responsibility for before you head to the operating room. So if you're in the ICU, you're making note of that. You're speaking to the ICU team in the preoperative area. If you don't have a good IV, you're fixing that before you go back. I can't tell you the number of different M&M conferences in which this was not done. It was assumed that somebody else checked and no one did. And that central line was sitting in an artery or that, you know, peripheral IV was in a bad place. And then now you have a a swollen arm, all these meds sitting in it and fluids sitting in it. And you don't want that to be you. And it doesn't have to, if you always remember to check the lines and airways that you did not insert. Just make it a point to do so. Doesn't matter who else checked, you do it. You feel what that IV feels like when you push some saline through it. Thirdly, always get a good baseline. So what do I mean? When you see that patient in preoperative area, I mean, you have your spiel in mind. You know, you're going to talk about the airway, their functional capacity, if they've had surgery before, anesthesia before. Uh, and it's so easy to get caught up in the in the rigmarole, the usual spiel that you don't you you, you don't take that good baseline. So you want to know, you know, what is their blood pressure like at home? What do their teeth look like? How poor is their dentition? Can you guarantee that their teeth are going to look like they look now once they wake up? There are many people with just bad teeth. And if you don't make note of where their teeth is chipped and missing, when you take your airway out, you're going to look at that mouth and be like, oh man, was that, was that there before? You don't want that to be you. You want to make good notes beforehand. And for example, the patient with poor dentition, if you know they got so many loose teeth in here and it's rotten and all the things, you need to tell them ahead of time as a part of your plan. Like, look, we want your mouth to look like it did before we put the airway in, but you have a lot of loose teeth. We, I I can't guarantee that you might not have a missing tooth when this is all said and done. You know, often for the kids, if there's a very loose tooth, If we can't remove it in the preoperative area, we do ask the parent's permission to remove it once they're off to sleep. And again, it's just being fully transparent with what you can guarantee and what you can't. Another piece is if you know you're going to do regional, establishing the baseline neurologic status. Because when you expect the block to have faded already and they're still complaining of numbness or tingling and what have you, you know, 
it, that is not the best time to say, hey, uh, did you have numbness and tingling even before we started? You know, because that if, if that comes up, then it's like, well, yeah, they're going to have it afterward too. Um, so est- really establishing that, that great baseline. And for those of you who take care of, you know, the geriatric population, establishing what their mentation is like at baseline. Um, there's so much literature about post-operative delirium. Um, we want to know what's their vulnerability to developing that. And are there drugs that we should be avoiding to minimize their risk of developing it post-operatively? So it is key. Don't get caught up in the spiel that you forget what the purpose of the spiel is, which is to establish a baseline and take note of that so that you are not confused by how they wake up, but you have something to compare it to. So always get that good baseline. Four, always check your equipment. Now, you may be in a practice setting where you have techs that set up your laryngoscope blade, uh, your fluids. In the pre-op area, the nurses are putting in your IVs and hanging your fluids. And it's so easy to assume that everything is working and appropriate. But the landscape of medicine is changing, folks. There are so many staff shortages, turnovers. You got people setting up stuff for you that it wasn't the person that you had last week or even the day before. Everybody's in different levels of training and have been moved across the hospital. So you cannot, I would argue you never could make the assumption that things are what they need to be. But especially now, you cannot assume that anything is right. So you have to take the extra step, check the light on the laryngoscope blade, because trust me, the one time you don't, when you go place your breathing tube, your light will go out. And that's the worst possible time. I would also suggest always checking that pilot balloon on your ET tube, because the one time you don't, and you inflate it, and your machine tells you you have a leak, well, now the only recourse you have is to replace the breathing tube. And it's like, just check the pilot balloon. I've seen manufacture issues where you're inflating the balloon, but then there's nothing happening at the cuff. Uh, Anytime somebody else is setting up something for you, you have to check what they are doing. So we assume that isotonic fluids are being hung like normal saline or LR. But again, with these staff shortages and people rushing to get things done, they might accidentally grab the bag of like D5 half normal or quarter LR or something crazy. And imagine your terror if at the end of the case, you've been giving them this And you didn't even look at what the bag was because you assumed it was normal saline or LR. So always just glance and look at the fluids that are being held at your patient's bedside to ensure it's the fluids that you expect. And it just takes two seconds to do it. But if you're not of the mindset to look, the mistakes can happen. So do not assume that because your equipment has been laid out for you, it is functioning and appropriate for your patient. And my final always and never absolute for anesthesia is to never 
compromise your standards. You are going to encounter patients who, you know, let's say they have facial piercings or lashes and you express to them that we have to take this stuff off prior to heading back to the operating room, you know, and they beg you, please let me keep it in. Oh, my hole's going to close if I take it out for this long, just any other. Don't compromise. Don't compromise because your role is to ensure safety above all else. And if you are put in a position where you can't guarantee safety, then you have two options. You either not proceed with the case at all or you mitigate those risk factors that would interfere with safety. So in this case, it's like, sorry, ma'am, you have to take all this stuff off. We, we, have to, we have to be safe above all else. You know, or you'll get this patient whom you think you're ready to go, but then like they'll have some random positive cocaine on a drug screen. And you're just like, what the, you know, where did that come from? And, and people will look at you like, well, can we still continue with the case? Um, you know, we really want to get this case done. There's so much production pressure. Or you'll get the kid who's in the preoperative area presenting for tonsillectomy who has these thick yellow mucus secretions. And you're like, uh-uh, you're acutely ill. Um, but again, they're like, oh, well, we waited so long to get this, get this procedure done. You know, they've been having... Oh, these kinds of symptoms for weeks and, you know, we need this. And it's like, let me tell you something. There, there is a strong pressure to quote unquote, just do the case. I'm telling you right now, if your spidey sense says, no, it is not safe right now. Please listen to your spidey sense. That internal voice never, ever violate that voice. Because I promise you, if you violate that voice and you go in that room, operating room, and something pops off, all those people who were pushing you to just do the case, let's get it done, those are the same people that'll turn around and point the finger at you and say, well, anesthesia cleared it. Anesthesia said it was okay. I don't know what to tell you. Anesthesia said. And so it's, you will be the first one thrown under the bus. You are the patient advocate. If something tells you that something is wrong, you listen to it. A delay is not a denial. No one's saying they could never get their case done. You're saying it's not safe to get it done today. That's it. If they're sick, that's what you're saying. Or if a patient refuses to take out their million facial piercings, tongue piercing, that's their choice. That's their choice to say no, but it's also your choice to say no and your reasons why. Now, don't, don't compromise your standards. You received training for a reason, many years of training. And from that training, you developed an intuition. Sometimes it's not easy to articulate what that intuition is telling you. But it is your responsibility to share what you know. And if you know on the inside something is not right with this, then you have to express that to the team and not succumb to the production pressure. So to recap, 
my five absolutes for OR anesthesiology. One, always carry a stick of epinephrine. Two, always check the lines and airways that you did not personally insert. Three, always get a good baseline. Four, always check your equipment. And I'm including fluids as a part of that. And five, never compromise your standards. So for those of you who are going on anesthesiology rotation, uh, I hope this was helpful. Please enjoy. And for those of you who are already doing OR anesthesia, what would you add for an always an absolute? What would you take away? I hope you enjoyed this episode of SIVO Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.